0: ...to left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Nixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. <laughs> He's to the 25-30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's secretary
1: the robot. That No one him. No it's a touchdown.
0: My goodness. Came into the game. Williams, the ball with a third entry. Didn't practice all week took it right off
1: the gut through the heart of the Minnesota Vikings. Virginia. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And if you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to the phone number 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. Man, we've been holding on to that intro for quite some time. <laughs> and finally, the Packers inked Keyshawn Nixon to a deal there yesterday. I um, want to just kind of lay out the contract details today, give you an idea of the uh, the cap hit, um, you know, uh, situation, I guess you could say, and um, and kind of talk about some incentives he might be able to hit, not specifically the incentives, but how that, that money may roll over. We're also going to talk about the Aaron Rodgers uh, situation here. Obviously, um, it's coming to an end, most likely tomorrow on the Pat McAfee show at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It sounds like he's going to join Pat on the show. And this seems like this is going to be the big decision, the big, I wouldn't say decision, I would say announcement, that he, uh, he is going to be traded to the New York Jets, obviously keeps his word, and, uh, and wants to allow Pat to capitalize on his official side of the story and, um, and you know, get Pat those extra views, which we always see on Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Um, the viewers go up quite a bit, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, so that's how that's going to be announced. So we're going to just kind of talk about some of the things that he's demanding as far. as I say demanding. I don't know if he's pounding the table going, you better do this. But the media is definitely painting it in that direction. And it sure seems like the Jets are listening to uh, what he wants, right? And we've talked about that uh, quite a bit in the past. You guys know I was on the opposite side of the fence about that for a long time. And then I hear greats like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and all these stories of of different you know uh, just legendary players and and specifically quarterbacks who pretty much got to pick what it was they wanted in certain organizations. You know, Tom, of course, didn't really have that freedom in New England. He goes to Tampa Bay for that very reason. I mean, all the way down to the T that they let him bring in the trainer that he wants, right, Uh, and get TB12 in the building in Tampa. Um, You know, his whole health and nutrition and exercise, uh, pliability, uh, all that stuff, that whole system, and and have it right there in-house as where Bill Belichick didn't want that in New England, or at least it got to the point where it was annoying him. So, uh, you know, Brady goes to Tampa Bay, demands what he wants, and uh, they give it to him pretty much piece after piece. And it got him a Super Bowl, right? Uh, Peyton Manning, you find out through Pat McAfee, Darius Butler, other people that play with him in Indy. Peyton Manning over uh, would override everybody, including the general manager and the owner. You know, Peyton ran the show. That's the way it was. And then you get to Green Bay, and, of course, um, the talk was always that Aaron wasn't included in any – any kind of conversations, Uh, you know, they would let player after player go that he obviously wanted to stick around. I mean, in some cases, um, Aaron would mention somebody by name, and he's had a great camp and they would be the next person cut. (laughs) So there was definitely some dysfunction. I don't know if dysfunction is the right word. You know, there's two schools of thought and I'm not here to say which one's right or wrong, but um, I know when I heard Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, um, how much, how much leeway, how much pull they had within the front offices of the teams they played for, um, and it led to championships. You know, I had to kind of check my ego at the door and go, you know what, maybe there's nothing wrong with that if you've got an all-time great, right? They definitely understand what the product should look like on the field. Um, and um, anyone who uh, – you know, the, the part of the argument – it's funny, we haven't even gotten to this section of the show yet, and we got some other things we're going to talk about as well, but I'm just going to kind of hit on it while we're, while we're here – the thing that people always point out is, well, they gave Aaron Rodgers what he wanted. That's not true. Um, Yes, they went and got Cobb. Absolutely. They went and got Randall Cobb and he graded out as the second best wide receiver on the roster. Um, Now to pretend like they gave Aaron Rodgers everything he ever asked for um, is just silly. You know I mean? He, from what I understand, he wanted Darren Waller. They weren't willing to give up the draft compensation for Darren Waller. Now, some people would argue that you know they wanted a second round pick. Others would argue they wanted a fourth round pick at the time. Well, today, um, as as you guys are hearing this, obviously on Tuesday, uh, March the fourteenth, Darren Waller was traded for a third round pick. Um, they weren't willing to give up a third round pick to bring Darren Waller to Green Bay today, right? And some would say, well, Aaron didn't specifically ask for Darren Waller. That was one of the players that obviously Aaron was in communication with the front office about potential receivers. Um, You know, uh, D.J. Moore was one, right? I didn't agree with that. I, I didn't think they should get him. Chase Claypool was another. I didn't agree with that. I didn't think they should get him. But regardless, if those were the guys that Aaron was asking for, they didn't get Aaron everything he wanted. So we need to stop toting that line, right? And again, I, I would disagree with those moves. But if it is true what was reported that those were guys that Aaron was requesting, they didn't, they didn't do what so many people are saying they they they've done. It's just not true. Um so with that being said, we're also going to hit on the tight end market a little bit. You know, we made some predictions. When I say predictions, it's not like I'm not trying to come across like, oh, we predicted that or man, let's see how smart we are. It was I've got a list of things going into the off season. That I want to understand at a different level. And this podcast kind of provides a platform to, um, to really just share those exercises and, and do it to a certain extent to where we could all kind of see, Hey, is this, is this fact or fiction? Is this true? What, what we, uh, we kind of anticipate happening in the market and things like that. I'm, I'm a market watcher big time. I am. I, uh, you know, I love business I love uh investing I love all those things anything that involves um you know uh taking a risk um and uh and obviously possibly reaping a reward and the whole aspect of studying risk management things like that <clears throat> I absolutely uh, I love it so I- I'm kind of one of those analytical guys I guess is what I'm trying to say so we we kind of talked about the tight market. We also talked about the safety market. We'll see how close we hit on the predictions there. And then, of course, we'll touch on the Packers' salary cap situation um, after the Nixon contract goes through and kind of set the stage for the final step of this Aaron Rodgers uh, situation where, you know, did the, is the deal getting reworked to where it's going to benefit the Packers' salary cap? You know, um, there seems to be – a whole lot of people that believe there's going to be zero cap relief when Aaron Rodgers uh, is traded to the Jets. Um, I have a hard time believing that, but it could be true. Um, what I've said all along is nobody truly understands uh, the optional aspect of the contract. I didn't come up with that on my own. I'm way too stupid to do that on my own. That's kind of the uh, the way that Andrew Brandt and Mark Rodgers, Russell Wilson's agent, talked about it earlier last year. Uh, so that's kind of where that came from, and we finally will get an answer to that. Now, it kind of feels like, you know, do you lean on draft compensation, or do you want them to pick up a chunk of the money to where you can free up cap space? Not necessarily for this year. That's another thing that people immediately go to the argument is there. There's nothing to do with it. I'm not necessarily talking about this year. It's there's a lot of different ways this could go and tomorrow we we get to find out those details so we'll just kind of talk about the cap situation as it sits right now and set the stage for the information that we're going to be getting tomorrow now this should go out it's going to go out a little bit later than i want it to it's probably going to be around 8 p.m eastern time tonight um just waited around just in case the news broke now as soon as pat mcafee announced that aaron Rodgers is coming on his show tomorrow that's when i thought okay they're probably going to make an announcement tomorrow so let's go ahead and push the show forward here today so Hopefully, uh, by the time you listen to this, you have already listened to this podcast before the announcement was made. So It's just a little primer on what the salary cap situation looks like right now and how it may affect it in the future. So, let's jump into the <clears throat> the Keyshawn Nixon contract here. Uh, PackersWire.com, uh, part of USA Today, they do a phenomenal job. I love how organized everything is, and I've never clicked on any of their articles and there'd be a, a paywall, which I truly appreciate. Guys, I can afford to pay through a paywall, but... I just I noticed that the ones who typically have a paywall, if they're if they're small and they're up and coming, um, I can appreciate wanting to support them. And those are the type of people I like supporting. I support several of them. Um, but if it's a large publication and they got a paywall, nine times out of ten, it's a very clickbaity title, right? What I love about Packers Wire is I've never hit a paywall. I'm not saying it doesn't exist for certain content, but I've never hit one. And it's never clickbaity in my opinion. It's just straightforward. And it's packerswire.usatoday.com, okay? So this is Keyshawn Nixon's new contract with the Packers. It says it includes $1.85 signing bonus and $2 million incentives, okay? <clears throat> the one-year contract signed by Green Bay Packers kick returner slash cornerback Keyshawn Nixon includes a $1.85 million signing bonus and up to $2 million in available incentives per Aaron Wilson. Uh, the deal has a base salary of $1.35 million and includes per-game roster bonuses of $29,412, uh, which equals out to $500,000 in total for the year, and a workout bonus of $300,000. In other terms, this is, uh, this is a one-year deal worth $4 million with another $2 million in available incentives. The incentives are tied, uh, are tied to playing time, interceptions, and Pro Bowl and All-Pro honors. Um, the interception aspect really grabbed my attention because both sides had to agree on that, and it kind of leads you to believe that maybe Keyshawn Nixon is going to be playing a little more defense than he did uh, last year while being a uh, a return guy, right? Um, the Packers might have used uh, up to four additional void years. Let's see, might have used up to four additional void years to spread out the signing bonus over five years on the salary, but it's unclear if the deal is one year, with four void years, or just simply a one-year deal with no voids. Without voids, Nixon's cap number in 2023 would be even $4 million. It's simple math, $1.35 million base salary plus $1.85 million um, signing bonus plus $500,000 roster bonus plus $300,000 workout bonus. The incentive portion of the deal pushing the max value to $6 million does not count on the 2023 cap, but could be realized in 2024. His cap hit would be lowered by 1.48 million in 2023 with four void years added. Nixon played last season on a one year, $965,000 league minimum deal in green Bay. He was a first team all pro after leading the NFL in kickoff returns um, in kickoff returns, kickoff return yards and long kickoff return. So that's kind of the article by a uh, Packers wire. Let's kind of touch on some of the details that we just hit, right? Uh, first of all, the 2023 cap hit seems like it's going to be four million dollars unless they add on four avoidable years in which it would be spread out. Right? Um, let's say it is four million dollars. So the Packers' current cap situation, um, obviously sitting at 24, I think 24.8 million dollars, if I remember correctly. Um, so just go ahead and minus that money off. You're gonna be sitting at 20, you know, 20.5, 20.8 million dollars if they go ahead and take that charge this year. If they spread it out, then you're probably at the tune of 21 to 22 million still under the cap. We'll kind of wrap up with that here in a second. The incentives most likely, uh, most likely will hit in 2024. That's what it sounds like. So let's say he hits every single incentive bonus, you don't have to worry about that cap hit until 2024. So that's the number that we come up with. Um, you know, you got to. A full season of him returning kicks now, which is really, really exciting. You guys know when I made the list, um, I don't think I've got it here next to me. I got so many papers out, man. Um, I made a list of what I felt like were priorities this offseason. Here they are. And I did it in tiers. I did it in three tiers. In tier one, I had Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, Mason Crosby, Randall Cobb, right? Right. It looks like Randall Cobb may be going to the Jets. We'll talk about that here in a second. Keyshawn Nixon, hands down, was my top priority. Rudy Ford was number two. Mason Crosby was number three. Then number four was Randall Cobb. All those were in tier one. So I think this is a great move getting Keyshawn Nixon. Um, You know, I had kind of predicted somewhere around three and a half to four million dollars. I didn't like the idea of going up to six, but now that it's incentive based. And the only way he gets the six is if he absolutely balls out and, and exceeds uh, the Packers' front office expectations. I think it's a great move, right? I mean, you're talking about a guy, if he does play in the dime, he, he may even play in the nickel, who knows? I think the top priority should be keeping him healthy for uh, special teams, though, because, man, you're going to need all the help you can get. You're losing a four-time MVP, most likely, and you're going to have a first-year starting quarterback. People forget, guys, Aaron Rodgers only won six games his first year as a starter. I don't think anybody feels comfortable saying that Jordan Love is going to play at Aaron Aaron Rodgers' level in his prime, right, or even at a young age. Um, but the thing you really got to take in consideration, him winning only six games, some people are hearing that and go, well, Jordan Love can win six games. On the surface, I want to say, yeah, absolutely he could, right? You guys know me. I think this team is much closer to a 13-win team if everybody was healthy and Aaron Rodgers returns the outlier now becomes Aaron Rodgers minus the players that want to play with Aaron Rodgers. That's one of the things that's getting lost in the narrative too. They're making it sound as if Aaron's just handpicking his guys, but these guys want to go with Aaron. There's something to be said for that, I think. And I want to say this too. When he leaves for the Jets, uh, if and when it happens, and and to me it looks like it's pretty much a done deal. Everything I'm seeing and the people that I trust um, as far as, you know, quote-unquote insiders and other folks, um, it looks like it's a done deal. Um, when he leaves, you're not going to be hearing me um, talking about Aaron Rodgers every week. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not a Jets fan. I'm a Packers fan. Now, will I be pulling for Aaron? Absolutely, freaking I will, because I really appreciate how he's leaving. This was a mutual agreement between him and the front office. God, he He could have held their feet to the fire. There's no doubt about it. Like, that contract and the way it was structured and and set up, he didn't have to renegotiate. He didn't have to adjust anything, if indeed he does, uh, to make it more trade-friendly. He could have held their freaking feet to the fire, and he didn't. And I'm glad he didn't because I would have hated him for it. right? And that's why I'm kind of like, man, this is is the best-case scenario. The Packers think that Jordan Love is the next great starting quarterback. They've made it clear. Goody said it. Mark Murphy said he has a lot of confidence in him. Uh, Matt LaFleur has been in hiding. <laughs> I, th- I don't know if he's devastated by the Aaron Rodgers stuff and he doesn't even want to be involved, but I I kind of feel like that's one of the reasons why he didn't attend the combine, although he's not the only head coach that didn't um, that's becoming a little more of a trend with more and more teams each year, it seems like. Um, but, I'll be pulling for Aaron Rodgers, but I'm going to do my darndest to not talk about it on here. Now, if users, you know, if if uh, if listeners bring it up, hey, I'll talk about it because you guys are always going to drive the narrative. You're always going to control and steer the ship of of the topics that we talk about on this podcast. That's what I really, really want the backbone of this podcast to be is the listeners, you know, driving the topics, if you will. Um, So. But make no bones about it. When Aaron Rodgers is gone, uh, there will be a farewell thank you, and then it's let's get behind number 10. Let's get behind Jordan Love, right? Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I think Jordan Love gives us the best chance to win. I don't believe that at all. Um, I think that that Aaron does. However, if the roster can be constructed in a way different, you know, that's different, and it kind of goes back to the point I was I was starting to talk about when I got off on this little tangent here or this or got sidetracked, Um, you know, the roster that Aaron had when he took over. When you look at the wide receivers that the Packers have right now, I'm going to see if I can pull up this tweet because a guy tweeted it and I quote tweeted it just to kind of put things into context here. Uh, This guy, Jacob, it's at notions of Jacob on Twitter. Don't know who he is. You may search him and he's posted some creepy stuff. You know, I have no idea. (laughs) But he, he posted this and it caught my eye. He says, assuming Randall Cobb ends up a jet, The Packers' current wide receiver room is Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre, Bo Melton, and Jeff Cotton. I'm going to say it again. Christian Watson, love Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs, really like Romeo Dobbs. I don't think he's as good as people thinks, thinks he is right now, but I think he could develop into a number two receiver. Samori Torre, it's a project, but he showed some promise. Bo Melton, don't know who he is. Jeff Cotton, don't know much about him. So that was the tweet. I quote tweeted that and put Aaron Rodgers' wide receiver room his first year starting. Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, and Ruvel Martin. Guys, Ruvel Martin, if Ruvel Martin was on the roster today, he would probably be the number three, possibly the number two receiver in this receiving core at the time that Ruvel Martin was on the roster for the Packers. I'm just being honest. Um Greg Jennings, Packers Hall of Famer. Donald Driver, Packers Hall of Famer. Jordy Nelson, Packers Hall of Famer. James Jones will be a Packers Hall of Famer if he isn't already. I think Jordy already is, but I'm not 100% sure. And then uh, Rubel Martin won't. Guys, you've got four number one receivers there that went on to to do great things, right? Um, And at the time, you know, I can't remember who was young. I think Jordy Nelson was probably the youngest in that room but Greg Jennings was a, hands down a number one receiver. Donald Driver was still a number one receiver, although by the time they got to the Super Bowl, his role was diminished at that time. I still feel like Donald Driver was a solid, solid wide receiver uh, and emerging uh, Jordy Nelson. And then, of course, James Jones, you guys know, <clears throat> he was one of the fan favorites. That dude had, had great production, even when Favre was still on the roster. We've got to really curb the enthusiasm. Somebody responded to this tweet and said, I see 12 wins next year. And I'm going, man, if you're telling me that Jordan Love is going to win 12, 12 games with that wide receiver room. Now, some people are going, but they're going to add to it, Clayton. They're going to add two Clayton. I hope they do. I really, really do. Um, it'll probably come in the form of the draft, is what it's sounding like. Okay. So when they do, let's say they do uh, go out and get a first round wide receiver. Are we expecting Christian Watson and another first time, first uh, uh first round wide receiver to outperform Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, and Jordy Nelson and James Jones? Because I'm still – I'm really trying to curb the enthusiasm here. And that was with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. Jordan Love, if you're telling me Jordan Love can perform at the level that Aaron Rodgers did his first year starting, I still can't see 12 wins because of that receiving room. That could change. Um, If we had a solid tight end, I would feel totally different. You know what the tight end room is. It's Josiah DeGuara. That's the tight end room, right? So it is what it is. Just wanted to kind of touch on that. Now let's talk about – Aaron Rodgers is uh, his wish list, okay? So I just want to say this about this whole situation. The last 24, 48 hours, I don't know what it's been like for you guys, but I've had a blast. (laughs) I, I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. And it's mainly watching the media fumble over themselves. Like watching those insiders live on free agency frenzy expecting to break a story any second and it never came and it never came and it never came at one point today, Ian Rappaport flipped the camera off. He act like he was scratching his nose and flipped somebody off another time. uh, Tom Pellicero didn't have his mic on. So he's, he's literally talking as if he's in a cave and Andrew Siciliano, the face that's made for radio. uh, I'm one to talk, but let me just tell you, he's, he's got a face made for radio. (laughs) He, continuously cuts off Tom Pellicero while Tom Pellicero is trying to talk um, once he got the mic back on. And Tom Pellicero is referencing the time that he made fun of Mike Garofolo for that. So he's trying to uh, steer attention back to why I'm not the... He basically said out loud without saying it, I'm not the only one this has ever happened to. Maurice Jones Drew is in studio and you can hear him screaming, going, it's not a big deal, just let him tie. it's not a big deal. Like It, it was hilarious. These guys look like their world was flipped upside down. They don't They don't know what to do when they're not controlling the news coming in. And it's why so many people really dislike Aaron Rodgers when it comes to the media. Um, he's controlled the narrative the entire time. He has a platform in the Pat McAfee show to talk about what's on his mind constantly, right? And that I understand that uh, ticks off a lot of Packers fans. I don't know why because, again, like I've said before, if you showed me – a series of clips where Joe Montano was interviewed every single week through two MVP seasons, I would be like, man, i got to watch that. That's a dude who's at the top of his craft. I would love to hear the things that, that were interesting to him, the things that drove him, um, how did he interact with teammates, what teammates said about him, how he bragged about teammates, how he criticized team- – just so many things to learn from great football players and, and anyone who's successful in life. You know, success is universal. Success principles are universal, I should say. So um, that doesn't bother me at all. But with all this coming to an end, it's going to be over real, real soon. And one of two things are going to happen. Either things are going to go completely quiet and it's going to be exactly what the media and that section of the fans wanted, which is we don't want. It's amazing to me how when people speak out on things that are important to them and and one side tries to shut them down, you hear them say, oh, just shut up and dribble, right? Just shut up and dribble. And and in most cases, people are like, that's not right. They got a voice too. They're they're able to use their platform to get their message across. When Aaron Rodgers does it, those same exact people that defended the others are now saying, shut up and dribble. I don't care about what you got to say. Just play the game. You get paid a lot of money. Shut up and play. Throw the football. That's that's a hard concept for me to grab. It really is. But the wish list was Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, and Odell Beckham Jr. is what it sounds like. Those have been the names that are attached to Aaron Rodgers. So that's why this hasn't come together yet. First of all, can the Jets land them? If the as the Jets start to land these players, then Aaron will commit to the Jets. If they can't land these players, and from the best of my knowledge, Mercedes Lewis is drawing interest somewhere else, I believe, with the Raiders, I believe, if I heard right. If they can't land those players, And now Aaron looks up and goes, I don't know anybody in this locker room. It's an extremely young locker room. Um, I've got to go play for a new head coach, although my old offensive coordinator is there. I've only got one or two of my guys. Do I really want to do this? That's why it becomes difficult to make that decision. Now, if you're going to sit here and say it's selfish for Aaron to take that approach, I can respect that opinion. I don't agree 100% with what he's doing, right? But as long as a team, an organization – a management group no matter what the business venture is is willing to bow down to someone like that then who am i to say they're wrong for doing it you know it's kind of like fair market right and and uh you know enterprise in the united states of america you can't say that's not worth it if somebody's willing to pay it because if somebody's willing to pay it it's worth it to them you know so the value is uh is there in the eye of the beholder right so um, per uh Mike Garofolo, Alan Lazard signed a four year, $44 million deal with the Jets. I shouldn't say signed, he agreed to it. We got you guys know we're in the legal tampering period here, right? So they've came to an agreement that's averaged out to 11, about 11, uh, 11 million per year. Okay, now it sounded like there was like 25 million guaranteed. That's basically a two year deal, like most contracts are. You take the, the life of the contract extension or offer or whatever, and you cut it in half because what you look at is the guaranteed money. After two years, they can get out of that contract and, and save a ton of money. So if Alan Lazard don't work out in two years, they can just cut bait with him. Isn't that funny that it sounds like Aaron wants to play one or two more years? <laughs> that's that's how that contract's going to work. So Alan Lazard could fall flat on his face. Now let's talk about that money for a second. You know, we talked about what would Alan, Alan Lazard be worth for the Green Bay Packers to bring back. I think the number I put on him was six million. I wouldn't want to go any higher than six at a max eight million, right? So eleven million per year is definitely out of my range, out of my ballpark. Okay. Um, so I agree with him not returning to the Packers, although you got to be real and talk about what you're losing. Okay. Alan Lazard, in my opinion, is not a number one receiver. I think he's a good number two receiver and he could possibly be the best bully slot receiver, number three receiver in the entire National Football League. I think he's a great number three receiver, as good as they come, third on your depth chart, okay? You're not going to pay $11 million for third on your depth chart, right? Now, the problem is when you lose Alan Lazard, I mean, look at what he was last year to the Packers, and you've really, really got to take that in consideration. So when you break all this down, you know, First of all, Odell Beckham Jr. was specifically requested by Aaron Rodgers, okay? Um, You guys know there was rumors that the Packers tried to get OBJ a couple years ago. Um, I was in town when that was taking place. I was actually in Green Bay for the Seattle Seahawks game that week, and we lost out on OBJ then. Now, I wasn't a big we-need-to-go-get-OBJ fan. When you look at what he was paid and how well he played in L.A., He's one of the big reasons they won a Super Bowl. He blows his knee out in the Super Bowl, but when you look at the way OBJ played down the stretch, it was absolutely awesome that like the dude played really, really good, right? He was a big reason the Rams got over the hump. Aaron wanted him then. Guess what? Aaron didn't get him. So these people have got to stop saying the organization gave Aaron everything he wanted. Like a spade is a spade. I disagree with them going after OBJ at the time. Didn't want them to sign him. Glad that they didn't, to be honest with you. But if you're going to sit here and say the organization gave Aaron everything he wanted, you're lying because they didn't. All right, so it's just important to lay out the facts. All right, Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, uh, the Packers are pretty much losing him. It sounds like he's going to go to the New York Jets. Now, is there a chance he signs with the Packers? I guess so. I have a hard time believing he would stay with Green Bay. And it sounds like Green Bay probably isn't interested. I mean, Goody openly said the reason they brought him back was because Aaron requested him, right? So whether you agree with that or not, I was I was really, really excited about it because I like Randall Cobb. I'm a big Cobb fan. I haven't met any Packer fans that were like, I don't want Randall Cobb back. They hated the fact that Aaron requested him because now it looks like the organization's bowing down to Aaron. Um, they went and got him. So what are you losing in Randall Cobb? And this is – we're talking Packers roster here. That's why I have got to this point. I want to talk about the wide receiver room a little bit and what are we actually losing and even the tight end room. Randall Cobb was the ninth highest graded player, according to PFF, on the Packers offense. Ninth. Okay. So to put that into perspective, he was the second highest graded wide receiver on the roster, only behind Christian Watson. His PFF grade was a 70.1. Alan Lazard, what do you lose him? The tenth highest player on offense okay he was the third highest graded wide receiver so you're losing according to PFF at a 69.0 you're losing the number two and number three receiver on this roster you're getting back the number one you're getting back the number four and the number five and then a couple of guys that were probably are honestly they're probably practice squad material and Bo Melton and I-, I can't remember the other name I already closed the uh the thing out there um so You're losing wide receiver two and three. You're left with a one and a four. That's basically what it comes down to. You're left with your number one receiver, a number five, or a number four and a number five receiver. So you're looking for a number two and a number three. Now, you got to hit time out here and say, is Christian Watson a true number one wide receiver? I don't think anyone feels comfortable saying that. Although, if he continues to play with the streak that he finished the year with, man, he's tracking, right? If he comes out this year and he grades out in the 80s on PFF, I will lose my mind. That'll be absolutely awesome but you're still looking for a number two and a number three receiver. I hope Dobbs emerges as a number two receiver this year. But guys, the drops,
0: the mistakes. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: Last year in the low PFF grade, along with what I've seen on tape, it's amazing some of the jump balls was just like, wow, look at the way you snatched the ball out of the air. And then at other times, the drops. You've seen it late in the season there down the stretch. Um, and you had some injury concerns there as well. So... Uh, right now I feel comfortable saying that, uh, he can be a number three receiver. That's where I kind of fit him in at right now. So we need a number one or a number two wide receiver. Um, now you're not going to break the bank to do that, right? You let the market cool down, see if there's a free agent you can go out and get a good deal on. And, uh, like I said, you, you got about 20 million in cap space as it sits right now. We'll see if Aaron, uh, leaving the team frees up anything or how much it does free up. Um, that's why I was in favor of him retiring. If he retired, then you would free up 15 million. Um, therefore we would be sitting at about 35 million. Now with the trade that could get adjusted, you may free up more, you may free up less, right? You may not free up anything. You may end up costing you. It just depends on how the deal is structured and what the agreement is between the jets and the Packers. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to those details kind of emerging and giving us a little bit better. Picture. Now, the other one is Mercedes Lewis. It looks like Mercedes Lewis is gone. First of all, Lewis is drawing interest from other teams. At least one, if I understood correctly, the Las Vegas Raider Raiders are interested in Mercedes Lewis as well. So it sounds like Mercedes Lewis is going to be gone. Who's that leave you on your roster? Pretty much Josiah Aguara, who's an H back. So you have no tight ends on the team when we talk about attached, flex, or boundary. Right? Why flex? Why boundary? or the boundary X, however you want to say it, or an attached tight end. There's a huge, huge hole there. And we're going to talk about the tight end market here in a minute. But what you're losing in Mercedes Lewis is the 12th highest graded player on the roster, on the on the offense, I'm sorry, I should say. Um, actually, no, that was on the roster, on the entire roster. And uh, he was your highest graded tight end at a 65.6. So you can see 65.6 and go, man, that's bad. There's free agents that are going to get paid pretty decent money this year that graded out lower than Mercedes Lewis. I thought Mercedes Lewis played well the last three years. Um, last year, I thought he was one of the highlights. When you see, go back and watch the Miami uh, Dolphins game. Go back there and watch the Christmas Day game between the Packers and the Miami Dolphins down at South Beach and look at what Mercedes Lewis did. Guys, he's going to be missed. There's no doubt about it. So you're letting him walk, it sounds like. Now, the Packers could offer and he could come back. You know, that may be one that Rodgers doesn't get with him or maybe uh, they can match or, you know, maybe he goes to Vegas and they offer him $2 million, and the Packers come back and say, we'll give you three, right? And, and a little bit more guaranteed money than Vegas would. And they may get him back. I kind of hope that happens because you've got to build that floor somewhere in the tight end room, especially if you're going to bring in young guys. Who's going to coach them up? Who's going to bridge that gap? Who are the icons in the locker room? I'm not talking about Hall of Fame caliber players. I'm talking about icons, people that, that other players will look up to, people that have work ethic, people that that understand the game inside and out. They understand every aspect of the game, right? You know, one of the arguments this whole time has been, and I actually addressed it on the last podcast where we answered a, a listener text. I can't remember who it was. I don't have it pulled up at, at the moment. But it was like, yeah, but, you know, it takes, it takes a while for tight ends to develop, right? Well, when Darren Waller got traded for a third-round pick today, People said, we don't have the money. We do have the money. It's right here. Okay. Is it ideal? No, it's absolutely not ideal to try to sign him to a contract extension. There were no reports that a contract extension was already in place for his new team. I think he got traded to the Giants, if I remember correctly. Um, God, everything's a blur. It may not have been the Giants, whoever he went to. Um, But, you know, if you would have traded a third-round pick for him, now you've got your flex tied in. You've got an upgrade from Bob Tunyon. Right? And you could have made it work, and it would have only taken a third round pick, okay? Now, yes, you're gonna jumped up in money, but that is your number one tight end now. It just seems like they're not going that that approach as far as prioritizing the tight end position. But we talked about the tight end market here recently, right? in the last few episodes. My prediction, and it's not trying to be smart or like, hey, what? I'm going to show you how this really worked." It was it kind of feels like we're going to have a cold tight end market. Let's jot that down, talk about it on the pod and see if that comes to fruition. And that's exactly what's happened so far. Granted, it's early. We're in the legal tampering period. I think free agency technically starts tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, but the tight end market, in my opinion, has been cold. OK, so. What Who has signed? First of all, you guys remember the free agents we talked about, right? The top free agents. We said Dalton Schultz, they were predicting 14. a half million per. Evan Ingram got his franchise tag. Mike Gusecki, the prediction was 11 million per uh, per year. Hayden Hurst eight and a half million per year. Austin Hooper eight and a half million per year. Foster Moreau seven million per year. Irv Smith Jr. drops all the way down to four point two five. That's where Bob Tunyon comes in. Then Mercedes Lewis at three point two five. So according to PFF, they have Bob Tunyon rated a little bit higher than uh, Mercedes Lewis as far as projected money that they could make. Which kind of makes sense because Bob Tunyon, if he is healthy from the ACL, he's kind of in the prime of his career, as where Mercedes Lewis could retire any minute. But when you look at that, those names on that tight end, right, on that tight end register there, um, the thing that I predicted is you've got a, a tight end heavy NFL draft coming up, right? There's a, a bunch of tight end studs, okay? And one of the arguments I heard was we can't afford Waller and and this, this draft's loaded with tight ends. Okay, got it, but I thought it took three years to develop a tight end. See how things keep coming back full circle and it's like, Arguments and points are being shifted around to fit how certain people, you know, feel the roster is at the moment, rather than how does this actually apply to the product on the field? Now, if you're saying the Packers are going to suck for the next two years and that'll give the tight end time to develop, okay, great. It's hard to develop when you're sucking. I don't, I don't believe you just hit reset, start from scratch. you all you're horrible, and then in two or three years, all of a sudden, bang, you're great. It's very seldom that happens in the NFL, right? Um, these updates are cracking me up. The Jets, breaking news. The Jets and Aaron Rodgers have communicated in the last 24 hours. Really? Here, I just simply thought that Alan Lazard signed on his own. I thought they were interested in Mercedes Lewis on their own. I, I never would have thought that Aaron Rodgers had talked to the New York Jets in the last 24 hours. It cracks me up. How is that? Anyway, <laughs> it's the stuff that Ryan talks about all the time, and I'm like, man, I, I'm with you. This makes no sense. How is that breaking news? Oh, we got a scoop here. Aaron talked to the Jets in the last 24 hours. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the sun came up this morning too. But anyway, so with the tight end market being cold because the draft is so loaded with tight end talent, um, what it tells me is, okay, people are going to be hesitant to make big offers on tight ends when those numbers start to come in and the contracts start to fall into place, then, then teams will get a little more aggressive on the backside if they think they can get a deal on a tight end. You don't want to overpay for a tight end if the draft is as loaded with talent. Now, does the coaching staff feel it's it's more important to uh, add in veteran presence as opposed to rookies because it takes so long to quote-unquote develop like some people believe, right? Uh, Coach LaFleur has talked about it. Um, I believe there's a lot of truth to it. I don't know if I'm as, as set in stone on it as some people, but I think there, it does have a place in the equation for sure. Now, only two tight ends have already agreed to contracts, okay? You have Josh Oliver, which really came out of nowhere because when you look at Josh Oliver and where he's ranked, um, he's on PFF's list of free agents. Um, 191 is where they have him ranked on the PFF free agent list, okay? <laughs> 191. Josh Oliver got $7 million per year. So when you say it's a cold market, what I mean by a cold market is there's not going to be the top tight ends flying off the board, right? But some could argue that's not a cold market when Josh Oliver's making $7 million per year. Hey, touche. Good point, right? But there's only one other person who's signed, and that is Chris Manhertz, I think is how you say it, and he's getting $3 million per year. Those are the only two that signed. So, the number 20 free agent is Dalton Schultz, okay? Overall free agent, number ranked 20th. Dalton Schultz, 26 years old. Age has nothing to do with it. He's the top-ranked tight end in free agency, according to PFF. No deal yet. Mike Gusecki, 61st. No deal yet. Hayden Hurst, uh, 80th. No deal yet. Austin Hooper, 87th. No deal yet. Foster Moreau, 105. No deal yet. On and on and on. Okay? So... You're seeing the market is cold for free agent tight ends. It's it's obvious that that's the case. Okay, Um, why a deep tight end draft equals a cold free agent market for that position? Let's move on to safety. Okay, we talk about safety and the Packers have a huge huge need at safety, right? I think we would all agree we've got to we've got to lock down a safety, whether it's Rudy Ford or whoever. You guys heard me say that I felt like the safety market was going to be hot why because the draft is very thin on safeties. You've got Brian Branch who didn't test out great, but still the top safety hands down in the entire draft. After that, there's a significant drop off. Somebody's going to scoop up uh Brian Branch most likely in the first round. He might last to the second. I'd be really really surprised if he lasted to the third. Once he's gone, there's a huge drop off. What's that mean? The market's going to be hot for safeties. That's what we predicted. Let's go to the safety market. There has now been seven safeties as of me recording this, and I haven't refreshed this. I'm afraid the entire system will crash. <laughs> um, as of right now, seven uh, seven safeties have signed deals. Okay, we know Jesse Bates the third was uh, he was going to be the t- hands down the best safety uh, in this year's free agency. Right, we talked about that over and over and over. So when you go look at the top safeties, Jesse Bates is the fourth best uh, free agent out of all positions he's ranked number 4. He's at the top of the list. Their projected um projected contract for him is 16 million per year, okay? Jesse Bates signed for 16.005 million dollars. 4 years, 64 million average annual 16 million dollars. Pretty much 16 flat. They nailed it, guys. They absolutely nailed it. Donovan Wilson signed He's making eight million per year. Okay, when you go back to the free agency list, where's Donovan Wilson? You got to go down pretty far to find Donovan Wilson. He's the seventy seventh ranked free agent overall. Okay, and he is—he's somewhere down number ten of safeties according to PFF. And that guy got eight million dollars. Von Bell, Von Bell, seven and a half million per. You go down. Von Bell is ranked forty eighth out of all free agents. He's the one, two, three. For fourth best safety prospect, according to PFF. Okay, I say prospect, free agent, I should say. I apologize. Jimmy Ward just signed a deal for six and a half million per. Marcus Epps signed one for six million per. Andrew Wingard signed one for 3.2 million. What did you see? You see a hot market for safeties. Okay, so the top safeties are pretty much flying off the board. Who are the best that are still available? Okay. And this is when Goody – Goody likes for the dust to settle a bit, even, even way further out than where we are right now in the tampering period. He likes for a week or two of free agency to go by before he really starts dipping his toe into free agency. And he's done a great job finding people in the past, not necessarily at this stage, but even throughout the season. You know, Devondre Campbell, Russell Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, Dallin Um, Dallin Levitt wasn't great. He still gets kind of thrown in the mix because our special teams got a lot better. The grade would suggest he didn't play a huge role in that, but when you go out and specifically get two people in Keyshawn Nixon and Dallin Levitt, along with the special teams coordinator that likes both of them and the special teams turns around the way it did, uh, you got to give credit there. you got to say maybe something's off there with the PFF grade a little bit. But to me, the best available right now is Jordan Boyer. He's 31 years old, going to be a one- or a two-year rental. They've got Chauncey Gardner Johnson listed as safety on here on PFF. Some would suggest he's a corner. I don't know enough about Chauncey Gardner Johnson to determine whether he's a true safety, better at safety, better at corner, you know, you know, however it is. I know I know that people see him as being very, very versatile. Von Bell's already gone. Jimmy Ward's gone. Julian loves another one. And then Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp kind of kind of grabs my attention because of his time with the Rams. And of course, we know Joe Barry. Uh, came through that same system. They like to uh, kind of recycle some of those old players. So him being 25 years old, I could see him being a player that the Packers might make a run at if indeed he is only worth 7.25 million per year. Um, you know, what if you came in, you offered him a little bit more guaranteed, you got him for five million on the books as far as cap hit goes. His PFF grade was 76.2 in 2022. That's a name I would kind of keep an eye on. Jordan Poirier, like I said, one year, one or a two year rental. Um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, his PFF grade was a 65 nothing. Grade. But another name you want to mention here, uh, in my opinion, is Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos, according to PFF, predicting that his uh, his projected contract will be six point two five million per year. You guys know we're on the hook, I think, for over seven million right now um, on the Packers from from avoidable year that was pushed out. So if you signed him for you know six point two five million, then he's really thirteen against your books, right, for this year. Now, regardless, he's going to be on the books for seven, but Julian Love's another one that really grabs my attention. Um, I wouldn't want to sign him for $8 million, but as free agency goes on, you get this first wave of safety signed. These other teams may start upping the money a little bit to make sure they get that second wave because we know how thin the draft is. This is kind of how the game is played in free agency. So, it's going to be interesting. We want to keep a close eye on that safety market because we really nailed it. Um, the tight end market's cold because of the draft, and the safety market is hot because of the draft. Um, you know, Amos could return. You know, I, I don't rule that out at all. As a matter of fact, he did tweet, I believe it was earlier today, or maybe it was last night, Rasul Douglas tweeted out and put is, and he tagged at Smash Amos 31 which is Adrian Amos's Twitter handle, um, is – I'm just going to say his name is Adrian Amos. Still out there with the eyeball emojis, unless he signs somewhere. I didn't get the alert, and then Adrian Amos quote tweeted that and put the eye emoji with the the looking glass, the emoji like like he's watching something real close. That kind of makes me think that they might be in talks with Adrian Amos. I'm bringing him back, guys. They let him test the market during the legal tampering period. If he didn't get any offers, and the Packers are saying, "Hey, we'll give you five million per you know for three years, whatever it is." and maybe have an incentive base that might be the best offer on the table for him right now. Now, they may not have even offered him anything, right? But that's one I would keep an eye on. There's a chance that that Amos could return to Green Bay. Let's say that Amos did return to Green Bay and it was at a team-friendly price, right? Let's say it's $5 million per. You know, I don't know if they could get him for that. It's possible. Um, But if they did, then your safety position now is going to be Adrian Amos, right? (laughs) At safety, you still don't have a true free safety. Although Adrian Amos played a lot of free safety last year, the last couple years it was very interchangeable. Meaning sometimes he would be on the safety, or they on the tight end side of the field. Other times he'd be on the free side of the field. Um, it seems somewhat interchangeable on which uh, you know which angle they want to take as far as that late rotation in Joe Barry's uh, you know two high cover four, cover three, cover six. All those combinations, man principles, all those things. Dusty Evely did a great job on the pod the other day talking about you. He it drives me crazy when people say, "Why don't we just play man?" It's those days are gone. Like it, it, the lines are so blurred now, with zone coverage with man concepts. It could start off a zone defense, and the offense run a a certain route combination. And the responsible the responsibilities for that particular zone call might require someone to then play man coverage on a player. It's it's not you're not playing Madden where it's just man and zone, you know. And most defenses are doing that nowadays. So it's it's kind of the the way of the uh, the future, and it's why players can even great players like Jair Alexander can get confused at times on what his actual assignment is, especially for someone who likes to jump routes and be aggressive. You know, high risk, high reward when it comes to that. There's been times that he's picked passes off, and I've been hitting my head on the ceiling fan, jumping for joy. Right. And there's other times he gets burnt deep because he jumped a route. That was a, uh, whether it's a double move or he misread the route combination with the stack he was faced with. And I'm sitting over here, pounding my fist going, Jack, quit playing hero ball. <laughs> right. It's exactly what me and Dusty Evely talked about the other day or the other night. He said, you know, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody, you know, run the ball and then it gets stuffed. What are we saying? Why are we running the ball? <laughs> um, it's just kind of the way it is as a fan. So, Hopefully that gives you an idea of what the market's looking like. Um, I wanted to I wanted to do a pod that wasn't just all about Aaron Rodgers because, God, you guys have gotten plenty of that talk. Um, at the same time, it's important to cover it, don't get me wrong. But I, I did want to kind of approach it from a, a standpoint of how does this affect the Packers in free agency, right? We knew they weren't going to come out swinging right out the gate and try to sign big names. But now as the market cools off for the safeties, maybe the tight end market ramps up. Maybe the Packers are talking to Bob Tanya. Some people are rolling their eyes. Other, people's are, uh, other people are thinking that he's a uh, better tight end than some of the options this year than most of the options this year. I think I kind of fall in between because of the the knee injury um, and the rehab and everything. I don't think we've seen the best Bob Tunyon last year, but at the same time, I can't sit here and definitively say, oh, yeah, he's going to return back to a form of when he was the, you know at his best, which some would argue wasn't even starting caliber at the tight end position, right? I'm not saying I could do better. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not criticizing a world class athlete as if, you know, I could do better or they're uh, less of a player because, you know, I don't think they can perform at a, at a number one level. I'm not taking that approach. It's just simply stating the facts that, hey, you know, it is what it is. But when it comes to the market, if you gave me a perfect scenario for both of those positions, what I would like to see happen, if this tight end market stays cold, um, you know, go, go offer one of these tight ends, a lower contract with a little more guaranteed money and see if you can lure them away. You've got to build some kind of foundation. If Mercedes Lewis is not walking back through that door and all you got, is Josiah guara you probably need one of these guys. And it's kind of the question that Goose asked the other day, you know, and what was my answer? I think it's one of their own, right? Mercedes Lewis now is kind of getting X'd off. Now, don't get me wrong. He may go up, get an offer, the Packers reach out to his agent and go, hey, look, we'll give him a little bit more than that. I can see Mercedes Lewis coming back, you know. I think the money's got to line up just as much as it does the fit. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I I guess what I'm saying, I don't think Mercedes Lewis would be willing to go play with Aaron Rodgers for less money than Green Bay would offer him, right? I don't think it means that much to him. You know, he's got relationships built with the coaching staff there in Green Bay too. Kind of comes across as a guy that would like to get into coaching after the game, right? If that's the case, those type of players typically build a real strong bond with coaching staffs. So I don't think it's nothing that he, it's a slam dunk. He's going to follow Aaron Rodgers. I think it's going to come down to money. I think it comes down to, I mean, look at taxes. Look at other things that are involved with New York. That's what blows my mind. It's going to be, as this thing comes to an end and we decide what Aaron's going to do or he decides what he's going to do and we, you know, kind of long for the ride, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how everything unfolds. But Bob Tunyon's the one that's kind of at the top of my radar now. They're saying a fair market value is 5 million. If the market's cold, he hasn't gotten any offers. What if Green Bay came in there and said, hey, look, we'll give you three and a half fully guaranteed per year, three-year deal. He's 28 years old that'll carry through 31, the age of 31. Now you've got a foundation in place. Now you can go draft you a tight end or possibly two, and you've got a guy in the building that can help bridge that gap. He knows the system. He's had success with it in the past. Not like absolute gangbusters, but you know, remember the year where he caught all the touchdown passes, right? Um, you got Josiah DeGuara that knows the system. There's your floor. There's your foundation. Now you go get a Michael Mayer or a Dalton Kincaid or, or maybe a Darnell Washington in the second or third round, um, Luke Musgrave, what have you. If they emerge as a starter, then you've got solid backup, right? I think that's important. But you got to have four tight ends on your roster. At least that's the way I see them constructing that roster. So that's kind of how I see it. I see confirmation here. It was the, uh, I've got, total access on in the background here. It, it was the Giants that traded for Darren Waller for that third round pick. I think that's a good pickup for the Giants, man. Um, you know, I had talked in the past. We're getting ready to kind of wrap up with some salary cap talk, and we'll make it real quick. I talked in the past that I'd love to see him extend Jordan Love if, if indeed they think he's the, the the quarterback of the future. Some people are saying, no, I want to see what he can do for a year. I kind of feel like they know what they've got, in my opinion. Um, and it sounds like they're very, very confident, which is extremely exciting. And if and when this Aaron Rodgers thing comes to an end here and he is traded or he decides to retire or whatever, if he's not on the Packers, man, it's going to be really, really exciting to see how Jordan Love handles this. He seems like the right guy for it. I love hearing Aaron talk about Jordan Love and how close they were and how he's just a great kid. He's been through a lot. You guys may not know the whole story. I don't know enough about it. I probably shouldn't even comment. But in short, his his father uh, committed suicide when he was very young, when, when, uh, when Jordan was very young. That's something he had to deal with. Um, Him and his mom, he have been through a lot. Uh, the thing I like about Jordan the most, and when we did a live uh, broadcast the other night with Dusty Evely, we had a question in the chat that I wish I had uh, known to uh, or thought to answer this way. Um, someone in the chat asked, uh, what do you think Jordan will bring to the table that Aaron Rodgers doesn't? And, uh, you know, my answer was pretty cliche. I think the majority of the people would agree that I don't think there's anything that Aaron, that Jordan Love has proven he can do better than Aaron Rodgers right now. But the true answer to that to me is I love his demeanor. He's extremely quiet, but you could tell the the teammates love him. How do I know that? When he was playing in the Philadelphia game and other games, including preseason, you see him picking Lyman up off the ground. You see Lyman picking him up. You see them patting each other on the back. You see them supporting each other. And you may be sitting there going, oh, that's so stupid. All teammates support each other. This this felt a little different. It feels like this team, at least a large group of them, uh, think the world of Jordan Love. And he's one of those quiet leaders guys. Sometimes those are the best leaders. You know, most of the time, the person who talks the most has the least amount to say. Right. And for so long, that was Aaron Rodgers because it was constant. The media was on his back because he wouldn't give them anything. And then he starts going on the McAfee show. And now the media doubles down on the hate because he's not bringing them the scoops and actually talking to them because he was kind of a, an introvert, you know, a quiet guy. Right. Um, we're going to get to relive that now with Jordan Love. And that would be my answer to whoever asked that question. I can't remember if it was Mike or, or one of Dusty's regular listeners or viewers uh, on YouTube. But that would be my answer now. You're going to get a player. It's just going to be a whole different dynamic now. And I'm excited to see how this coaching staff and these players rally around them. Now, again, just to hit on the the – Salary cap to the best of my knowledge, when that deal is finalized with Keyshawn Nixon, I'm expecting us to be somewhere around 20 to 22 million under the cap. Okay. Somewhere in that ballpark. Um, you guys know I always say give me a five million buffer because there's it, it never fails when you when you lean on Spo track completely, over the cap is closer. When you lean o- over cap completely, spo track is closer. So leave that five million dollar buffer there. That can always be worked out by the front office. Um, how much? Here's the questions that are, are going to be uh, answered tomorrow if Aaron does announce that he's been traded. We're going to get the contract details. I'm not saying on the McAfee show, but you know any kind of restructure that took place along with compensation, that will all be unveiled. It's going to be a very, very exciting time. I'm jacked to hear uh, exactly how everything's going to unfold. How much after the Rodgers transaction are we going to have a cap hit on Rodgers? You know, there's some that believe that we're actually going to free up $15 million. There's others that believe we're going to go in the hole and we, we barely have enough right now to break even. I mean, there's going to be such a ho- a high penalty uh, from the optional aspect of Aaron Rogers's contract and him being traded and how the contract was structured in a way where he had complete control. Right. Um, and uh, that we're barely going to break even right now. You know, I don't know. Again, I'm not a contract expert. I try to predict these things and I have fun doing it just to try to understand the game and the front office at a little bit different level. So I'm excited to see how that unfolds. So we're going to get that question answered, right? What will be the compensation? We're going to get that question answered. There's some people that believe we're getting three first-round picks. There's some that believe we'll be lucky to get a third-round pick, you know? Uh, one person that tends to be really, really accurate with most of his predictions because he's been around the game for so long and studying our people like Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, and others, Al Davis, Um, Is Michael Lombardi. He said what he could see it being, and this isn't he had a tip or an insider. It amazes me how many people are trying to be insiders this time of year. It cracks me up. But Michael Lombardi said, I could see a first-rounder this year and then a conditional pick next year that if Aaron comes back again next year, then maybe it's a fourth-round pick that jumps to a second, something like that. So after hearing Lombardi say that, I'm getting, I'm feeling more and more confident that we should, we could at least get a first round pick out of the deal. That's kind of cool. If we have two first round picks this year, right? Um, and we can free up some moot, some money. Now, do they go compensation heavy and us eat the contract and we barely break even to where we can't spend any money in free agency? That could be the case. You know, um, we're just going to have to wait and see. So again, I never want to come across like, um, I know I know exactly how this contract is laid out. I've always said nobody knows exactly how this contract is going to play out. Nobody. But Andrew Brandt's starting to drop some nuggets now on Twitter, and it's going to come down to what's the actual deal between the Packers and the Jets and what did Aaron Rodgers agree on having cut out of the contract and adjusted for both the pa- to make it worth the Packers while trading them, but also make it worth the Jets while as well so that's kind of what we're going to get answered um you know here's another thing that people threw up on twitter had some great conversations today um do we receive a wide receiver in return you know do we receive a corey davis or you know someone else uh you know i i don't know you know i mean i just listed our wide receiver room when you talk about corey davis which is a name that's been thrown around when i look at that his pff grade was a 65 right Somebody said Corey Davis, and I looked up his PFF grade. He's a 65.9. Let me put that into perspective for you. That means according to PFF, he would not only be a downgrade from Randall Cobb, but he'd also be a downgrade from Alan Lazard. So, I mean, those are the facts. The fact is losing these players that Aaron wanted to keep around for the last couple years, the fact is the team is is getting worse by losing them. Who will we replacing them with, right? If you replace a Mercedes Lewis with a Michael Mayer and he lives up to his 92.3, whatever it is, college PFF grade, and he comes out in the pros and he grades out as a 75, that's a significant upgrade over Mercedes Lewis. Check it off the box. Good move, Goody, right? Same thing with Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, all of them, right? Luke Musgrave keeps – you know, Sam Laporte is another one that keeps getting kind of brushed under the rug because everybody got so excited about Darnell Washington, but there's some good tight ends, good deep tight ends. um, You know, as far as this tight end class, it's going to be going to be interesting, man. I'm excited. It's, it's about to start. We're about to start a new era. Here's what I ask from everybody listening to my voice um, as, as fellow Packer fans, man, let's rally around Jordan Love, please. Like if this is the move that takes place, you guys know, I wanted Aaron back but if if Aaron is getting traded when it happens please 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 don't root against Jordan Love get let's let's blow his mind on social media let's I want him to step into an environment that Aaron didn't have the luxury of stepping into because you guys know Aaron Aaron Rodgers got death threats constantly you couldn't you know Greg Jennings a person who ended up you know disliking Aaron as much as anybody they had their differences right there at the end um, he'd said every time Aaron stepped on a field, the booze would rain down, but that wasn't Aaron Rodgers' fault that Brett Favre wiggled his way out of Green Bay, right? Just like it's not Jordan Love's fault that Aaron Rodgers may be traded or may retire, right? So I know the majority of our listeners, that I, everybody that I have conversations with, whether it's on Twitter, through text or email, um, man, we, uh. I know you guys are on the same page with us. Whatever the decision is, the decision is, and let's rally around them. Just for those of you who didn't want Aaron Rod- that did want Aaron Rodgers back this year, right? Don't be the people that we have complained about the last three years, really the last two years, since November of twenty twenty one. The ones that constantly bashed and beat down Aaron Rodgers, right? Let's don't let's don't be like them. Let's take the high road, and when we move to Jordan Love, get behind that dude. Show them where they really screwed up by not supporting the starting quarterback, especially last year when he had a broken thumb and missing the top two offensive linemen and the receivers led to league in drops and everybody piled on. He's not throwing to the open receiver, blah, 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 blah. Let's don't do that. Let's get behind Jordan, and let's get this thing turned around as quick as possible because – one of two things are gonna happen. Um they're gonna they're gonna struggle out the gate, just like they did when Aaron Rodgers took over, or Jordan Love's gonna come out and absolutely light the league on fire. And I know you can hear the smile in my voice, because I would be going ballistic. Him just him and Christian Watson absolutely go off. And Romeo Dobbs emerges that number two receiver that we didn't, you know, wasn't for sure he could be, right? And whatever tight end you take in the draft, whether it's an early pick or within the second, third, or fourth round, some people said, not the third. Please, Clayton, <laughs> not the third. But whoever it is, they all just gel together quickly and they go to the playoffs. That would be absolutely awesome. But I think we got to keep into perspective, too, the tweet that I talked about earlier, right? With, you know, Aaron Rodgers, his receiving core when he took over was Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, and Revelle Martin. And they finished six and 10. Right now, our receiving course, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre, Bo Melton, and Jeff Cotton. So, please set realistic expectations. Underpromise, overdeliver, and every time that we communicate, every time we're active on social media, let's make sure that we're protecting Jordan Love and give him every opportunity possible to go out and succeed, guys. He may not work out. I don't like to use word "bust" or "failure" or anything because when you make it to the NFL, you've already succeeded quite a bit. Right, he may not work out, but even if he doesn't, please let's don't let's don't embarrass this franchise as a fan base any more than we already have with this whole Aaron Rodgers thing, because it was silly some of the things that were being said last year. So let's get ready to turn the page. Let's get behind ten, and it's going to be a whole new, uh, a whole new era for Green Bay Packer fans. I'm excited to step into it and see exactly what it's going to be. You know, when when we made the transition from Favre. I was 110% behind Aaron Rodgers because I didn't like the way Favre handled stuff. Now, Favre comes back, kind of issues an apology, if you will. Um, they kiss and make up, get him back in the ring of honor, and now it sounds like he's done something stupid, which that's not the, this isn't the podcast to cover that. But I was behind Aaron Rodgers when we made that transition from at the time was my favorite player, Brett Favre. And I'm going to be behind Jordan Love as we make this transition as well. Okay, so let's just make sure that as a fan base, let's look out for each other and let's uh, let's get behind these Packers no matter what the roster looks like. Hey, if all those fans that are hearing my voice that you you rooted for the Packers in the 70s and the 80s when everything was so bad, um, if they can do it, we can get through this downtime if it takes a year or two to get back on track. But we'll be right here talking about it every step of the way, and I know you guys will be interacting with us. Really, really appreciate everything you do. So we're going to get out of here. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go
0: left to restart the game, and this one carrying into the end zone, about 4 yards deep, here comes Nixon to the 5, left hash marks 10, 15, hits a hole, hard, <laughs> he's to the 25-30, breaks him into the clear, Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races, it's Secretary of the Delmont, that was
1: what they took, no one was the him. No it's a touchdown, my goodness. Came into the game, Wayne first football with a blind entry, didn't practice all week, and he just took it right that got through the heart of the Minnesota Viking Cardinal Unit.